0: time for another edition of Fighting for the Faith. Monday, February 9th, 2009. It's going to be a busy week. As we speak, the Roseboro family is packing up, preparing for its move to the Midwest. Hopefully we'll bring summer with us, right? <laughs> All right, you're listening to Fighting for the Faith. My name is Chris Rosebro, and I am your servant in Jesus Christ. And this is the program that uh, strives to take every thought and make it obedient and captive to Christ, Jesus Christ. You heard of him, God in human flesh? Apparently there's a s- such thing as <laughs> truth and error, and uh, we try to decide, dis- man, I'm already off on the wrong, we try to dissect that, you know, compare what's going on uh, with all the guys who have all the major Christian book deals, all the major pastors, even some of the minor pastors, even some of the unknown schleps. (laughs) We take a look at what they're doing, what they're saying, and we compare it to the Word of God. It's an unpopular, terrible thing to have to do. Basically, uh, the way I like to think of it nowadays is that uh, we're doing the job that uh, denominations used to do. They would internally hold people doctrinally accountable since we now live in a post-denominational world. um, No one, apparently, who cares if Christianity is true or not or what people are saying is true? If it works for you and you're having a positive experience, then it has to be true, right? No. No. <laughs> well, so that's what we're up to. Uh, we got an interesting program lined up today. Uh, got some good listener email. Uh, uh we're going to do a little bit more about James Chung. Uh James, uh, we played his uh, Four Circles video last week, and I just want to do a little follow-up. I've actually sent him an email inviting him to come onto the program. I'd actually like to see him biblically defend these Four Circles, and uh, want to give him every opportunity to do that since uh, these Four Circles uh, diagram, which is so popular now among college students because... Uh, InterVarsity Press is the one that's promoting this, and, and James Chong's books. We'll talk a little bit more about James Chong. Uh, we we just wanted to uh, you know invite him onto the program and come and share with us, you know, uh, give us the biblical backing for uh, the things that he's asserting in this video. Uh, we're we're gonna play a Sesame Street game today. It's true. Remember the Sesame Street game? You know, they play with the one of these things is not like the other. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. We're gonna play. We're gonna play that game today. Okay, so uh, we'll do, we're gonna play one of these things is not like the other. We're gonna read parts of uh, Mark chapter eight, and then uh, today's program may not be a full two hours. You know that's the th- that's a nice thing about uh, being kind of the uh, the guy who's in charge of Pirate Christian Radio, at least uh, on paper, is that uh, I go until I'm done. <laughs> and uh, Friday we went long. I might go a little short today. Who knows? We'll have to wait and see. Plus, I'm uh, I'm teaching a Bible study tonight, so it's important that I. Not go late. So otherwise I'll let people go. And what am I teaching on? Election. See, and and that kind of leads to the question that if if I was late to the Bible study on election, did God elect that I would be late? (laughs) Or was that my free will?
1: Maybe it's your predestination.
0: Right. Okay. (laughs) Okay, so uh, Walker Willis writes, from Champaign, Illinois, not too far from where we're going to end up. People are going, where are you going to go? uh, You're moving to the Midwest. Which state are you moving to? You ready? Indiana. Why? Because. (laughs) Long story. So anyway, and no, I'm not moving to Fort Wayne. So those of you who are LCMS folk understand what I'm talking about there. Walker Willis writes, he says, dear Chris, with so many last names, that it is now cool, edgy, and even rebellious and oddly relevant to now just call you Roseboro. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's a new one. <laughs> yeah, actually. You know, He's rebellious and edgy just by calling me you know, Chris Roseboro. Uh, after hearing the four circles on your show, I had to check out the video. In college, I was involved with Campus Crusade for a couple of years and became a very uncomfortable salesman with my four spiritual laws pamphlets. On more than one occasion, I was so interested in seeing its replacement. I think your critique was right on, but now that I've seen the visual, I think there's something that you missed. See, apparently, I missed this. He says once for once for all four circles. Once all four circles are drawn, he makes two lines representing the problems of this world that are infinite. You know, the problems of this world are infinite. That separate the circle of the bad world and the circle where everyone is taking care of each other and recycling. <laughs> That's, this is true. <laughs> I did not mention the, the barrier. The, the, it was a diagonal barrier from uh, quadrant two to quadrant four. Quadrant two was where the bad world was. And the thing that caused the bad world, the, the one that was broken by evil, was the fact that we thought about only ourselves. You know, and, and and rather than caring for each other, we decided to care for ourselves, and it, impact, it negatively impacted our relationship with God. <sighs> That's the understatement of the century. A- any, anyway, I, in, my, in my Sunday school class yesterday, I pointed people to the fact that didn't Eve share the fruit with Adam? You know, so she was looking out for the needs of her husband. She wanted to make sure that he had some of that fruit too. It wasn't like she was going, no, it's only mine. You can't have any. No. Eve shared that was a story about sharing It's the Christian thing to do (laughs) (laughs) Anyway all right. so Walker continues Okay so he makes uh, two lines representing the problems Of this world that are infinite And separates the circle of the bad world And the circle with everyone is taking care of each other and recycling He then shows that the circle where Jesus shows up Creates a path Around the problem lines To the happy world circle Problems? Okay, I'm sick of saying problems. should be sin. Sin! It's Sin, it's not confronted and defeated, but just avoided. Well, that's right, James Chow seems to avoid that sin thing. And uh, Christ didn't rip the curtain in the temple, he just showed us how to sneak around it. <laughs> <laughs> I honestly don't think that this is what circle boy was thinking. Oh, circle boy. That's a and I better better if he comes on the show I cannot call him that that I call
1: it circle boy.
0: Ouch. Anyway, so he says but it reveals the underlying belief in modern Christianity that we should just focus on showing people how to get the good stuff, happiness, prosperity, world peace and saved whales. See, that's really what it's all about. And it's funny that you would say that uh, without confronting the real problem of sin. I actually am one of the these rare people who think that there really is no, there's no substantive difference between the seeker-sensitive movement and the emergent church movement. There's no substantive difference. One is a conservative pietism, and the other is a leftist pietism. Okay? And uh, so what happens is the basic concept of Jesus came to show us a better way to live, and the Bible's a manual for living— is pretty much the same between the two groups. Um, the difference is the the, the list of the do, the do good things see on the left you 've got recycling you 've got social programs you, you know things like that and on the right you 've got more you know traditional religious right issues you know such as morality and and you know sexual mores and things of that nature but um, both of them are are forms of pietism, basically what it boils down to. Uh and, and both of them neither one of them really addressed the sin issue. You know <laughs> apparently we can just sneak people into the kingdom, slip them in the back door without telling them about their sins. What we want you to do is make a commitment to Jesus Christ so that your life will be better, or you're making a commitment to make the life of somebody else better. Okay. See if you if you sign on the dotted line right now and make a commitment to be a Christ follower, then you can have these things. You'll get a happier marriage, you'll get Better finances, you'll have a more fulfilling career. You'll have better behaved children, and if you act now, we'll even throw in a free set of Ginsu knives.
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs> Isn't that the, 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 the? I mean, and boy, I, I think it's interesting that the uh, the purpose driven guys they have a liturgical calendar. I mean, my mailbox is full at this point of purpose driven seeker driven churches that are going off on sex sermons for the month of February. Why? Well, everybody knows that you know this this week we've got valentine's day and so therefore we've got to preach on sex and love and romance (sighs) give me a break (laughs) Uh, you just uh, it's frustrating anyway um walker continues he says what annoys me most about this is that it robs from one of my favorite authors c.s lewis so that that whole hunger thing that you know uh, hunger proves that there 's bread <sighs> which by the way i didn 't think was a it, it, i'm apparently this is from c s lewis and from anselm um, but uh Circle boy, I guess didn't. That's a, that's a terrible thing to call him. Didn't do a very good job of conveying this. Um, he says uh, Walker continues that whole bit about hunger proving food exists is from mere Christianity, where Lewis is referencing Anselm's argument for the existence of God, not super Marcus, e- Marxist eco world. Well, a poorly used C.S. Lewis quote deserves a properly used C.S. Lewis quote and i'll only change one word let's see what word he changes so here's the quote this is from cs lewis quote he this is screw tape writing he doesn't think of doctrines as primarily true or false but as academic or practical outworn or contemporary convenient or ruthless or conventional or ruthless jargon not argument is your best ally in keeping him from the church don't waste time trying to make him think that heresy is true <laughs> make him think it is strong or stark or courageous, that it is the philosophy of the future. That's the sort of thing that he cares about. And that's Screwtape writing to his nephew, uh, Wormwood, I think. That's correct. And uh, trying to keep his victim from becoming a Christian, you know, or, you know, and so the idea is uh, then what a Screwtape and Wormwood, they're demons, you know? So if you haven't read the Screwtape letters, you should read it. It's actually very um, enlightening. You don't have to read it all at one time either. No, because it's a bunch of letters. Yeah, it's a bunch. It's it's you know, and the uh, audio uh, book version of it. It's one of the guys from Monty Python does the N- reading. Not,
1: not the new one. Not a new, they, they've re-recorded it. Are you serious? Yes, they have.
0: I have. Uh, I have the one with John Cleese. You're one of the lucky ones. Yes.
1: So If you get it on CD today, it's not that way. Oh, really? Yeah.
0: I like John Cleese's uh, Screw Tape. It's really funny. Any. <laughs> Anyways, um, Walker uh, signs off his email. Says, "Welcome to advance to the wood mess, wood, wood Midwest. <laughs> it must have dyslexia. Yeah, dyslexic, so you know, They wake, up, they stay awake at night, wondering if there's, there's a, a, dog. a dog. Yeah. He yeah. says it topped fifty in Illinois today, but it won't last. So you may want to take your time.
1: <laughs> okay. You know, they also have a Vujade. Day. Vujade. Day? Yeah, that's an incredible feeling that none of this has ever happened before." I have that all every all okay. I have that like all day long. So you you've got bougie Day. <laughs> okay. Hmm Oh
0: <laughs> Okay, I'm gonna have to remember that. All right. Uh now in regards to these uh, you know what I, I, before I get to Josh's email, uh, what, since we're on the topic of uh, James Choung. uh I want to read to you something from his blog because these four circles I ended up putting a, a an exhibit up at the Museum of idolatry. Yes, I am the curator of the Museum of idolatry and you can find the Museum of idolatry at a littleleven dot com and um in there i've I named this exhibit the gospelless gospel presentation that 's what we called it last week and uh, i 've since you know done a little bit i 've done quite a bit of research on james Chow, and there 's some things you know the, the more I peel this onion back the the worse it stinks that 's what happens with onions by the way. Uh, is that, for instance, did it make you cry too? Maybe I wept. <laughs> I cried. I laughed. I, yeah. You know. All right. Uh, we got a lot of email on that uh, Batman sermon. It's uh, <laughs> just like ugh. anyway. Um, I went to uh, James Chow's, uh blog site. It's called Tell It Slant and uh, JamesChow.net... And um, found the original post where he put up the video. And he says, here is my attempt to explain the Christian faith in three minutes. Crazy, right? Well, InterVarsity, that would be InterVarsity Press, you know, these collegians, you know, asked me to do it. And here's the result. I wanted to present a more holistic faith. Something closer to the gospel that Jesus taught. That's what he said about that four circles video. He wanted to present a more holistic faith that was closer to the gospel that Jesus taught (sighs) which makes me just want to play it again you know I don't want to obsess on this but I am a little bit cheesed off hang on a second here I uh, you know these are the types of things that just get my goat and I don't even have a goat and it's been gotten (laughs) okay hang on a second here this this is James Chow's the big story and He said at the time that he created this video, that InterVarsity asked him to put that video together, the Christian faith in three minutes or less, and that it was something that he wanted to present a more holistic faith, something that was closer to the gospel that Jesus taught. And he says it was unscripted. Of course, many details will be painfully left out in such a short amount of time. That's funny. You know, I can do the gospel in three minutes. I could do it in one if I had to. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. What is the gospel? What is the good news? That Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scripture, that he was buried and that he was raised again three days according to the scriptures. It's a plain and simple thumbnail sketch of the gospel, right? That wasn't mentioned in this new holistic interpretation of the faith that was supposedly something closer to what Jesus taught. Um, here's the deal. In order to make the claim that this is something closer to that to what Jesus taught, that means it has to actually fold in, mesh with what Jesus taught. So let's uh let's listen to James Chong's here, the big story again. Tell me what the world's like.
3: When you turn on the news, what do you see? Well between all the violence and war and terrorism and the AIDS pandemic and global warming, we've gotta say our world's pretty messed up. What's interesting is how we feel about that. Uh, None of us think that that's a great thing. All of us long and ache for a better world. Well, isn't that interesting? Because hunger seems to point to the fact that food exists. And thirst points to the fact that water or drink exists. So our longing and aching for a better world seems to point to the fact that either a better world did exist or will one day exist. Well, in the Christian worldview, we believe it did. And that uh, back in the day, um, God designed it. So that the planet took care of us, and we took care of it, and we took care of each other, and God took care of us, and we blessed him back
0: okay uh, since he 's claiming that this is supposed to be you know closer a more holistic faith and close to what Jesus taught, where does it say any of this in the red letters in in the new testament serious, where does it say that uh, you know that that god made us you know in, to you know bless him back and, and all these things that he's just claiming it, it doesn't say nowhere in the red letters do i read this i don't even read it in the black letters we continue
3: and that the whole thing was designed for good so how did we get here well, we decided that we were going to run the show, and when we started chasing our own needs above caring for other people... or the-
0: Okay, where does it say in
3: the scripture that Adam Eve began to care
0: for their own needs rather than the needs of other people? Where in the red letters does it say that? Remember, James Chow here is saying that he put together a three-minute video explaining the Christian faith, and he wanted to present a more holistic faith in something that was closer to the gospel that Jesus taught. If it's closer to the gospel that Jesus taught, where where did Jesus say any of
3: this stuff? We continue. The planet started damaging the planet. We started damaging our relationship with each other. And ultimately, we damaged our relationship with God so that the whole thing was damaged.
0: Yeah, ultimately, we damaged our relationship with God. Does he know about the whole fig leaf incident? Does that, I mean, maybe that was just a speeding ticket. You know, Jesus, you know, or God, you know, pulling him over. Woo! I got to cite you guys for uh, indecent exposure, you know.
3: By evil. Well, it's great that God actually loves the planet and us too much to leave us that way. So even in our brokenness, in the Christian worldview 2,000 years ago, God came as Jesus. And in that, he started to teach us a better way to live and began to tell us about this thing called the reign of God. Where... He, Jesus came to teach us a better way to live.
1: Jesus is Miss Manners. Apparently.
0: The, Jesus is the ultimate finishing school. I wonder if Jesus would teach us to, when we ha- sip our tea, to use our, have our pinkies out. Is that a better way to live?
1: No.
3: <sighs> all the good things that's supposed to happen actually do. And so he taught us, and in his death, all this crap died with him so that Three days later, when he came back to life, there's new life possible throughout everything, throughout the planet, in us, and with each other. And so every- I smell dominion theology. <clears throat> everything is being restored for better.
0: Except for that nasty little part in like the, the Peter's epistles about the elements melting and, you know, never mind.
3: Well, then what's our response? Well, in this world, that's still messed up. Jesus is starting a revolution. And he's asking us to be healed ourselves in Jesus' name, to be healed in each other, and to go out and heal the planet, and that our mission is to be sent together.
0: So Jesus is the bearded version of Captain Planet, right? He's the original Captain Planet.
1: I don't remember him in the the the, the what the the Wonder Leagues. The, yeah, the, the, super... the League of Justice or something. That's it, the League the, of Justice. League of Justice. I yeah, I don't remember that one.
0: Okay, so why did I play that again? Well, because James Chong, when he posted this on September seventeenth, two thousand and seven, claimed that he wanted to present a more holistic faith that was something closer to the gospel that Jesus taught. That being the case, where do we see any of this in Jesus's teachings? I don't see it in the red letters. I don't see it in the black letters. I don't see it even between the lines, okay? This is something wholly other. Now, the funny thing is is that James Chow says this material, this video, is adapted from his books. He has a couple of books out. One of them is called True Story, A Christianity Worth Believing In. A Christianity Worth Believing In? The only Christianity that's worth believing in is the true one. OK, the the counterfeit ones, the ones that you cobbled together in your basement yesterday while having a beer um, and watching football, that's not real Christianity. That's something else. But uh, anyway, so it's, it's, it's adapted from his book, True Story, A Christianity Worth Believing In, and its companion booklet based on a true story, um, and which are available through InterVarsity Press. Now, this led me to do a little bit more research. Would you like to know who endorses James Chown's, uh books? Well, here we go. Let me let me read to you these quotes. This is Shane Claiborne of the Emergent Church Movement. Amid the clutter of domesticated Christianity, Chaung's book creatively reminds us all, academics, pastors, activists, and grandmas, of the true revolution from which we come. Much of pop Christianity is obsessed with the self-centered goal of finding our life, forgetting that Christ called us to lose our life for others in order to find it. This book is an urgent cry not to settle for the dream of America over the dream of God. God has a dream. Anyway, in order to allow cynicism to suffocate the hope that another world is possible, may true story inspire us to continue to shout the story with our lives, even in the most abandoned corners of the empire. Shane Claiborne, Marxist emergent. Okay, here we go. Leonard Sweet. It also endorses Challenge's book. Who is Leonard Sweet? He's another emergent. Here's what Leonard Sweet says. Uh, chowns napkin theology and its four worlds diagram promised to be for evangelism in the 21st century what the four spiritual laws were for the 20th century i hope not because these four circles they don't actually um tell you the truth about christianity it's a it's a counterfeit christianity that's being preached there leonard sweet so he gives his thumbs up to uh napkin scribbles uh to uh circle boy all right uh Here's another one. This is uh, Brian McLaren of the emergent church movement. One of the most important theological conversations going on these days is about the shape of the biblical narrative. Well, apparently it's round. The shape of the biblical narrative is round, and it's it's got four wheels, just like a just like a like a Prius or a hybrid. <sighs> okay. Not surprisingly, many leaders in this conversation are those working in the intellectual ferment of the college campus and at the intersection of church and the emerging culture. James Chowng is one of these important voices, and his book opens up important new vistas regarding the story we find ourselves in okay so, uh, all the more reason why you should avoid this these four circles like the plague you, with Friends like this, who needs enemies? Now, the coup de grace, the one that's a little bit interesting here, is uh, the last endorsement that I'll read. Let me read it to you. Brilliant. Tools like this can change the world. Who said that? Rick Warren, author of The Purpose Driven Life. So who's uh, promoting these new four circles? It would be Rick Warren, Shane Claiborne, Brian McLaren, and Leonard Sweet. A worst cast of characters you could not ask for.
1: I guess Rob Bell hasn't seen it yet.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I think Rob Bell must have been on tour at the time this came out. Anyway, so I, I wanted to share that with you because um, because of the the popularity of this guy and the people endorsing him. This, uh, this is the kind of stuff, uh, you know, don't show this to even your enemies, okay? If you have people that you really hate and despise – don't show this to them, because if they believe it, they're going to go to hell. You don't even want your enemies to go to hell. Anyway,
1: yeah, let's throw this away.
0: So we'll see if we can get uh, James Chow to come on the program. Uh, hopefully he will, because I really like... By the way, you know where he graduated from? Here's a shock. Fuller Theological Seminary. You know, liberal town. Same place that uh, Rob Bell graduated from. So, uh, man, he's just... <laughs> 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 do I sound a little exercised this week? Anyway, if you like, we're gonna do our coming, go into our first break, and uh, when we come back, we're gonna play uh, that Sesame Street game. One of these things is not like the other. We're gonna play that game, and uh, we'll hopefully, y'all, y'all, you know, I guarantee this will be all kinds of interactive fun. So, if you would like to email me regarding anything you've heard on today's program so far, you can do so at talkback at dot com. Talkback at fightingforthefaith.com
4: We'll be right back. Sisyoprified religiosity won't save you. You're listening to Fighting for the Faith.
2: It's... Marty Python's Flying Circus Church.
0: Thank you for downloading Rob Bell's Lectio Divina. All right, we're back. You're listening to Fighting for the Faith. Apparently I'm on the verge of having an aneurysm. <laughs> Maybe a stroke. ay ay ay. I want to remind you all, Fighting for the Faith is listener-supported radio, which means that uh, we need your help to pay our bills. If you are growing in your understanding of the Christian faith, a biblical worldview, how to defend the Christian faith against emergents, Mormons, Jehovah's Witnesses, uh, purpose-driven types, and uh, pietists and liberals of all stripes and sizes, then uh, please consider, strongly consider supporting Fighting for the Faith. And you can do so by uh, sending us a check at Two Fighting for the Faith, Post Office Box 791, SJC California 92693, or you like to donate online you could do so at fightingforthefaith.com click on the donate now button and uh, you'll be in, you'll walk through the paypal procedure there we've got paypal to help us out with that and they do a fine job all right we're uh <laughs> i was just reacting to uh james Chow's, uh thing there and uh want to uh before we get into the uh the sesame street game Want to go ahead and uh, play something that uh, Doug Paget put up not too long ago? It makes me wonder if Doug Paget is maybe falling from popularity among the emergent church types, because uh, poor Doug Paget. I mean, he posted this video regarding his book, A Christianity Worth Believing, um, back in May of two thousand and eight, and only he's only got twenty six hundred views of this video so far. I, I feel really, <laughs> I feel like it's collecting dust out there on YouTube land. But you know the nice thing about the emergence is they're not like the uh, the seeker driven guys. They're not really big in the numbers, so you know they you know they just want to they want to get out. But this is the, again this kind of comes back to the point that we've been talking about regarding James Chong's presentation of this new holistic gospel, which supposedly is supposed to be more in line with what Jesus taught, but isn't even in the same ballpark, not even in the same Bible. Is that uh, Christianity is not something you cobble together? Okay, it's not the religion that you've smorgasbord picked to believe in based upon what you think is more, what works better for you and your circumstances and the culture that you live in Here's uh, this is uh, Doug Paget talking about his book called A Christianity Worth Believing which by the way uh, James Chow's book, A True Story is A Christianity Worth Believing In so there's similar titles here and I would even say similar ways of thinking but let's listen to Doug Paget because I think he makes the point so much better than
1: I do In a lot of ways, this book, A Christianity Worth Believing, is a confession. It's a confession that while I'm a Christian, uh, church-planting, Jesus-loving, evangelizing kind of Christian, I have a problem, Uh, one that's only gotten worse, frankly, in my years of being a Christian, and that is that I just don't believe in Christianity anymore.
0: (laughs) I love it. I got to give him props for just hanging it out there i'm a jesus-loving evangelizing christian but i just don't believe in christianity anymore let's let's hear how he qualifies this
1: at least not the versions of christianity that have prevailed for the last 1500 years
0: (laughs) you know the christianity that we've had since christianity began i don't really believe in that one
1: so the disciples they were all wrong well, he, and, he, and he
0: yeah, basically the emergent guys have this this mythology that somehow they're recapturing an earlier form of Christianity, which is hogwash because what they're, what they believe in doesn't even remotely resemble the writings, yet alone the teachings and doctrine of the New Testament apostles or Jesus Christ. But uh, so I, 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 I just I'm a Christian, but I've got a problem. I don't believe in Christianity, at least not the Christianity that's been around for the last 2000 years. Let's continue.
1: It seems to me that there's versions of Christianity that were formulated for a certain time in a certain place, and they answered questions that people had, and they addressed the issues that were paramount to those people.
0: Oh, I see. You know, so every every culture, every time and place, they they cobble together their own Christianity, and so he wants the ability to do the same for himself. In this postmodern world, I I want a, a Christianity that solves my problems in my time and space.
1: And those articulations. Not only do they not work today, frankly, they get in the way of the kind of Christianity that we want to have.
0: <laughs> they get in the way of the Christianity we want to have. Uh, who's uh, God in that sentence? Uh, Doug Paget is. They get in the way of the Christianity we want. to. I want. To, you know. I want Christianity on my terms. I want a Christianity that uh you know it really caters to my specific felt needs and and you know and and c- is concerned with the issues I'm concerned about,
1: yeah, the kind of Christianity that doesn't shut its eyes to any of the questions that people have today, the kind of Christianity that doesn't run from anything the the kind of Christianity that doesn't go to the past to find its validation. <laughs>
0: more convoluted way of thinking you could not find (laughs) a christianity that doesn't look to the past to find its validation
1: (laughs) (sighs) but the kind of christianity that talks about the life of god in our world and invites people to join in that
0: oh okay so the, the kind of christianity that talks about the life of god in our world today and then invites people to come along in other words, the, the Christianity I cobbled together yesterday in my garage while working on my motorcycle.
1: We just don't talk about kings and kingdoms, and it all has a, there's a borderline, and if you cross into the kingdom, then you're in the kingdom. So what kind of language would reflect in our day... The same meaning that Jesus had. Uh,
0: they, this, is, uh, this little segment right in here is, is showing Doug Paget preaching in the round at Solomon's Porch, which is the church that he founded. I'll give him props. He's got a cross in his church. Bill Heibel's doesn't even have that. And in Jesus' day.
1: And so this book has been an outgrowth of me trying to figure out how can I explain Christianity? How can I believe a faith that's fitting for the day that I live in?
0: Oh, a faith that's fitting for the day I... You know, the, one, the, the Christianity I... You know, it's a patchwork quilt that I worked on yesterday while watching football, you know, in my, in my den.
1: I'm pursuing a Christianity that fits in the world I live in. A Christianity that's as alive and well today as any day. And this book is a hope-filled, open-armed invitation for the left out, left behind, and let down in us all. Basically, this is a
0: Christianity. For those of you who don't like Christianity, for those of you who can't stand this idea that that Jesus was God in human flesh and he was our substitute on the cross, (laughs) who wants to believe that? Who wants to believe in this idea that man is sinful and that God came down and rescued us with a savior? No, no, no. We need something to overthrow the imperial system and and change the uh, suicide machine so that... uh, You know, that we can all join the Jesus revolution and help heal each other and the planet. Mm -hmm. Right. Uh, Problem here. um, The only Christianity worth believing is the true Christianity. The other Christianities, even though they, they have the name Christian, by the way, Satan says that he, the Bible says that Satan comes to us as an angel of light. Did you know that? And that Jesus tells us not to be deceived by people who are false Christs and false prophets who come in his name, right? Um, I know I've probably beat, beaten this passage to death, but Galatians chapter one, um, the apostle Paul says something rather revealing about gospels. Did you know there's, there's true Gospels and false Gospels? Apparently the Apostle Paul believed that, because he writes to the Galatian Church in Galatians chapter 1, he says to the Galatian Churches, I'm astonished that you are so quickly deserting him, that's Jesus, who called you in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different Gospel. Not that there is another one, uh, but there are some who trouble you and want to distort the Gospel of Christ. But even if we, that includes the Apostle Paul, or an angel from heaven should preach to you a gospel that's contrary to the one that we preached to you already, let him be anathema, eternally condemned, thrown into the pit of hell, burned forever. And we've said it before, so I'll say it again. If anyone is preaching to you a gospel contrary to the one that you received, let him be accursed. That's pretty straightforward. What do you think? So uh, the Apostle Paul is warning people about Um, false gospels, gospels that are not really gospels at all. Now, if you want to know what the gospel is that the Apostle Paul preached, it's found in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. He actually lays it out. Let me read it to you, starting at verse 1. Apostle Paul writing, he says, now I would remind you, brothers, of the gospel that I preached to you. That's a good opening. So if you want to know what the gospel is that Paul preached to the Galatian churches, it's the same gospel he preached to the churches in Corinth. Right? And so he's reminding the Corinthian church in chapter 15 of 1 Corinthians what that gospel was. So we read again. Now I would remind you, brothers, of the gospel that I preached to you, which you received, in which you stand, and by which you are being saved, if you hold fast to the word that I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. For I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scripture that he was buried that he was raised and on the third day in a, it, on the third day in accordance with the scriptures that he appeared to cephas into the 12 then he appeared to more than 500 brothers at the same time most of whom are still alive though some have fallen asleep and then he appeared to james and to the other apostles and last of all to me an untimely born one he appeared also so what's the gospel christ died for our sins and was raised on the third day according to the scriptures right um the uh, the Christianity that Doug Paget cobbled together in Starbucks on his Macintosh laptop computer, um, that's not the gospel. And that's not Christianity. Only Christianity worth believing is the true one. The other ones, you can be well-meaning, good-intentioned, have love for the planet, might even recycle, feed the poor... Reach out to people who are dying of AIDS. Send mosquito nets to those countries suffering from malaria. You don't believe that Christ died for your sins. You believe that other gospel? You're going to hell. Why Because that's what you deserve. You are a sinner. You think you can just skirt over the fact that you don't love God with all your heart? Do you think you could just skirt over the fact that in your heart you've murdered people that you've committed adultery, that you've lied, you cheated, you stealed, you coveted. You think you can just skirt around that? Oh, no, 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 no. Compare your life to the Ten Commandments. Just over the last week, how about today? Understanding that every single time that you did not keep the law perfectly, you have earned for yourself hell. Then and only then, when you understand that, can you understand the good news? Christ died for our sins. <sighs> this other stuff is just reprehensible. All right. Switching gears here. As promised, we're going to play a game. And if you're familiar with um, the
3: uh,
0: the Sesame Street game, one of these things is not like the other. Now, I'm going to play this uh, audio for you because you know it's just so, oh, so fun. So here we go. We're going to play a little game. And to intro the game, we have this music from Sesame Street. Here it is
5: which one is different do you know oh it
0: started in the middle here we go let's try this again here we go
5: one of these things is not like the others which one is different do you know can you tell which thing is not like the others i'll tell you if it is so
0: Well. all right thank you big bird but who by the way is the messiah figure in the sesame street uh, sermon series For any of you uh, seeker-driven guys out there that are looking for a relevant sermon series, Sesame Street. Everyone loves Sesame Street. I mean, they've done Theologians for your noggins and the Dr. Seuss one. So Big Bird here is singing, uh, one of these things is not like the other. I'm going to read some stories for you, okay? And see if you can find the one that's different. The one that doesn't belong, okay? Here we go. Uh, Number one is uh, is from the uh, Christian Post. Headline reads... Saudi blogger detained for recording his conversion to Christianity. Okay. A 20-year 20 28-year-old blogger who recorded his conversion from Islam to Christianity has been detained by authorities in Saudi Arabia. Hamoud bin Salah was arrested last month according to the International Christian Concer- uh, to International Christian Concern, the ICC, and detained at Elisha Political Prison in Riyadh for expressing his views on Islam uh, in his blog masihi saudi um i can't <laughs> can't even uh pronounce it but so he, he he blogged about his conversion from islam to christianity the arrest came just five months after the killing of a saudi official's daughter who converted to christianity she was burnt to death by her father who cut her tongue after learning of her christian faith which uh blossomed through the internet according to the ICC, Bin Salah, who was arrested in November 2008, was released by the government during the Saudi-initiated interfaith dialogue held in the United Nations in New York. However, after the conference, the officials chose to re-arrest Bin Salah because the entire world is busy following up on the aggression in Gaza, and Saudi, uh, Saudi authorities may seize the chance to make an example with nobody watching. Okay, so that's, that's story number one, right? All right, let's, uh, let's replay Big Bird here. And uh, we'll go to story number two. Now, remember, the goal of this game is for you to find the story that doesn't belong. All right? So here we go.
5: One of these things is not like the others. Which one is different? Do you know? Can you tell which thing is not like the others? I'll tell you if it is so.
0: All right. Number two, candidate number two in our game of one of these things is not like the other is another uh, story from the Christian Post report house church persecution increases four hundred and eighteen percent in Beijing. The persecution of house churches in Beijing increased four hundred and eighteen percent in 2008, the year of the Summer Olympic Games, according to a report released this week by a U.S.-based religious freedom group. The total number of reported people persecuted in Beijing was 539 from January to December 2008, up 418% from 104 people in 2007. China Aid Association reported overall in China there were a total of 2,027 people persecuted because of their faith, up to 157% uh, from 788 people in 2007. The significantly worse persecutions of Christians in 2008 has direct, has a direct relationship with the Olympic Games, the report states. This is not hard to understand because whenever the government holds important social events, serious suppression is implemented to maintain the appearance of stability through spreading fear among people. Okay, so that's candidate number two in our game. One of these things is not like the other. And now before we play number, here's number three coming up.
5: One of these things is not like the others. Which one is different? Do you know? Can you tell which thing is not like the others? I'll tell
0: you if it is so well. Alright, this one candidate number three in our game of can you find out one of these things which one of these things is not like the others? Comes from the telegraph in the UK. The headline reads Christian Nurse Row, now teachers could be disciplined for discussing religion. A new code of practice drawn up by the professions uh, regulator, the uh, General Teaching Council, states that classroom staff must promote equality Equality and value diversity. An alleged lack of commitment to this requirement, which is insisted upon by the Nursing and Midwife Council, was used to suspend Caroline Petrie, the Christian nurse who offered to pray for an elderly patient. The GTC draft guidance states that registered teachers must act respectfully towards all children and young people, parents, carers, and colleagues, regardless of the socioeconomic background, age, gender sexual orientation, disability, race, religion, or beliefs. It adds that they should be sensitive to the socioeconomic and cultural context in which they are working, and issues in the local community may impact on the well-being, development, and progress of children's young people. Teachers are also required to proactively challenge discrimination, stereotyping, and bullying, no matter who is the victim or the perpetrator. Campaigners have highlighted the similarity between this requirement to respect equality and diversity and that used against Miss Petrie, a committed Baptist who faced being sacked from her job as a a community nurse by Northeast Somerset Primary Care Trust after she offered to pray for an elderly patient. So here we've got now on the heels of this. I told you last week, by the way, this was the the fact that uh, Carolyn uh, that Petrie was able to keep her job was not really good news because the whole goal was to get you to stop praying. Well, now we're finding out in the U.K. that uh, this uh, teacher's now maybe disciplined for discussing religion in the U.K. So that's that's candidate number three in our game of uh, one of these things is not like the other. Here comes the fourth one in the second.
5: One of these things is not like the others. Which one is different? Do you know? Can you tell which thing is not like the others? I'll tell you if it is so.
0: All right, this is uh, number four. Okay, now there's only four contestants in there. That So one of these things is not like the other. Here's the last one. Unified School District boots out church over flyer. Okay, we read, um, sermons on sex deemed to be obscene, parents complain. This is from the Kenosha News. The Reverend Dave Nelson just wanted to talk about sex and porn and homosexuality. But he won't be doing it at Nash Elementary School. The Great Lakes Church, a new church which has rented space at Nash for four weeks, lost its permit late last week after sending a colorful flyer that proclaimed, Thank God for sex! The flip side listed Nash as the location for the service and a series of topics scheduled over the next five weeks, including great sex, bedroom from battleground to playground, sexy and single, why God doesn't care about your virginity, Sex secrets, porn, homosexuality, and stuff like that. The Kenosha Unified School District called uh, the flyer obscene, disruptive, and a violation of policy 1330, uh, which covers renting unified space to private organizations. Nelson said he was stunned. This is Pastor Nelson. Said he was stunned at the outcome and was just trying to attract non church going Christians to a new kind of service while... Dealing with topical issues, the flyer also advertises loud music, a casual atmosphere, short services, and fun for the kids. For now, the church, which has 300 members, has moved its 10 a.m. service to the Parkway Chateau at the Brat Stop and hopes to have a more permanent location by February 8th. In an email sent to parents, Nash Principal Marty Pitts said, please understand clearly that neither our... Nash school family, nor the Kenosha Unified School District had any involvement in the creation or advertising of the event promoted in the Great Lakes flyer and website. It's important to both Nash PTA and me that our Nash school family clearly understand this. School officials said that they were inundated with complaints after the flyers hit mailboxes Wednesday and Thursday. Quote, This was a violation in uh, terms of the way it was communicated to the public and led to the pub- and led the public in some way to think that Nash was connected and we're not connected in any way, shape or form and had no knowledge of this. Nelson <clears throat> said that <laughs> this is pastor Nelson. Pastor Nelson said that the, the district misunderstood the flyer and he's never had problems with similar advertisements in the communities over the last 12 years, including when he rented school space in Seattle. Quote, I am stunned by this. He said, really, we are just trying to reach out to people who don't go to church. We recognized that if we advertised a study on the book of Leviticus, we wouldn't interest anybody. We wanted to hit topics of interest to all of us, and obviously we hit a nerve. There's no bigger subject than sex. We were going to talk about this from the point of view of Scripture, he added. What is God's point of view on this stuff? In over 13 years as a pastor, I've seen marriages destroyed because of porn. I've seen marriages destroyed because of couples are afraid to talk about sex. If you're a married couple and you're afraid to talk about sex, anyway, he says, I keep asking myself, how many more centuries are we going to let Elizabethan England handle the way we talk about sexuality? He said he was notified of the termination Thursday night and was told the flyer was obscene and pornographic. All right. So those are our four. uh, the, The game is.
5: One of these things is not like the others. Which one is different? Do you know can you tell which thing is not like the others I'll tell you if it is so Well
0: thank you big bird so there those are our four candidates let me remind you of the uh, the four candidates here for one of these things is not like the other I mean on the surface I mean it sounds like they all have Christian persecution in mind right So we've got the one story about uh let's see here uh, Saudi blogger detained for recording his conversion to Christianity, we have the report that uh, Christian persecution of house churches in Beijing is up four hundred and eighteen percent over last year. We had this a story out of the u k that teachers now could be disciplined for discussing religion, which is right on the heels of uh, uh, of that nurse who uh, was disciplined, you know who literally was raked over the coals for doing that terrible thing of offering to pray for somebody who was sick. And then we've got the story about a church that was booted out of its its venue. It met at an elementary school after it sent out a flyer advertising, thank God for sex. I mean, it's all persecution, isn't it? One of these things is not like the other. Can you figure out which one it is? Hmm. I wonder... Hmm, let's see. Let me go through these again. Here, okay. Church uh, teachers can be disciplined for discussing religion. That's real persecution. That one is over here. Uh, house churches in Beijing, uh, being persecuted 418 percent over last year in Beijing. That's real persecution. Saudi blogger detained for recording his conversion to Christianity. That's real Christian persecution. Um, this church in Kenosha sending out a flyer talking about great sex, bedroom from battleground to playground, sexy and single. Why God doesn't care about your virginity, sex secrets, porn, homosexuality, and stuff like that. That's not real persecution, is it? No, no. That just falls into the category of salacious stupidity. <sighs>
1: make make titillating. Yes. Are we
0: allowed to say that on the air? <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> Thanks for playing along. I, the answer to the uh, one, of the, which one of these things? It's the it's these, the Great Lakes Church. This isn't Christian persecution. This is just purpose driven nonsense, gobbledygook, you know, salaciousness, and terrible marketing in the name of building the church. We just wanted to reach out to unchurched people because they like sex and they don't want to hear about Leviticus. <laughs> what a telling quote, oh, man. All right, we're going to take our second break, and when we come back, we uh, we'll get into Mark chapter eight, and then we'll do a little discussion on soaking prayer. You have you ever heard of that soaking prayer? No, it's not what you think. It's not like getting into the bathtub and you know putting you know waterproof speakers into your or earplugs into your ears while you sit there and float. You know
1: soaking prayer, Marco Polo is that soaking
0: prayer? No, no, okay. No. Why did I say polo? <laughs> <laughs> we'll be right back. If you'd like to email me regarding anything you've heard so far, if you disagree, by the way, that 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 you know this church that got kicked out for uh, sending out a sex flyer, uh, email me. Talkback at com. If you really, th- if you really think that this is Christian persecution, you might want to send me your your phone number. I'd like to probably interview you on the air. We'll be right back.
4: Unless your righteousness surpasses that of Rick Warren, you cannot be saved. You're listening to Fighting for the Faith.
2: This is the air I breathe. This is the air I have had enough Of this sissy, pansy, for fodder-written music You have the audacity to call worship Men, put this entire girly praise band in the boo box Let's wheel in the organ And get some real worship music underway oh Ye be listening to Pirate Christian Radio.
4: My local Christian bookstore just sells Jesus schlock. Where can I find good material? We at NewReformationPress.com are committed to providing a hand-picked selection of books and teaching materials that educate, inform, and entertain while uniquely maintaining a relentless focus on the gospel. We believe that these forgotten doctrines and their scriptural emphases can not only enrich individual Christians and revive the church but also address the deepest needs of our culture. Discover our growing library of resources by Dr. Rod Rosenblatt of the White Horse Inn radio program, including his powerful address, The Gospel for Those Broken by the Church, available exclusively at newreformationpress.com or the big picture audio presentation, Bible in an Hour by Pastor Wade Butler. Learn the center and scope of redemptive history and scripture in just one hour. And of course, be sure not to miss our selection of t-shirts, gifts, and artwork as well newreformationpress.com finally Reformation theology made accessible
0: alright you're listening to Fighting for the Faith my name is Chris Rosebro. thanks for tuning us in Now, I said this was going to be a busy week. Aside from uh, packing up and uh, getting ready to move everything to the Midwest, why are we doing that? Well, because it would be absolutely irresponsible of us to uh, stay here in sunny Southern California where the housing prices are outrageously high and uh, expect uh, PCR to somehow uh, support us with these really high housing prices. So what have we done? We're uh, we're moving to the Midwest to lower our uh, our financial footprint, so that we can continue to bring Pirate Christian Radio to you, uh, without expecting you to pay for us to live in this wonderfully great coastal town. <laughs> anyway, uh, I said this was a busy week. Why? Well, another reason reason why it's going to be busy is because Friday we're going to be playing a Best of Show. Did you know that, John? No, you didn't know that. No, I didn't tell you. No. I didn't? I don't think so. All right. Well, the reason why we're going to be playing a best of show for Fighting for the Faith is because I'm going to be speaking at uh, the conference, uh, the Steadfast Lutherans, uh, the Brothers of John the Steadfast, their very first national conference. And, uh, and so Friday, I'm going to be flying out to Naperville, Illinois. I knew that. You, you knew that. Okay. 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 So that requires, that means Friday we have a best of program going up. But you have done
1: things remotely before.
0: This one's going to be a little bit different because my plane leaves LAX at like crack of dawn really early. <laughs> <laughs> and so um, in order for me to pre-record, that would mean I'd have to do two shows on Thursday. And, and with all of the other things we're doing, that's going to be tough to do. I still have to come in and do
1: things, though, right?
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Well, you don't have to. I oh. mean, you know, I but mean, it just
1: doesn't go on air, if it... y- I don't. right?
0: I mean, we'll just screw everything up. <laughs> so, if you want to, if you, in fact uh, I think they still have openings for the conference, uh, if you go to Steadfast Lutherans, is it steadfastlutherans.com dot com or dot org? Do you know? No, it would always help if I pre finished figured this out. Hang on a second, Stead Steadfast Lutherans.
1: I'm going to try .org and see if that works. .org. So, uh, Pirate Christian Radio, it, it shouldn't sound like a mime show. Mime show? Yeah, it shouldn't sound like a mime show. Right.
0: Right, yeah. Mimes yeah. are not good radio personalities. Yeah. I don't know if you know this. I just have heard.
5: <laughs> or or have heard. have heard, <laughs> Yeah.
0: Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's steadfastlutherans.org. The, the for brothers of St- John the steadfast and their first conference uh, February thirteenth through the fourteenth in Naperville, Illinois. I will be one of the speakers there, as well as Todd Wilkin from Issues, etc. Um, and we're going to be talking about really, you know, the new media. The you know, getting the gospel message out in the uh, using new media. As well, Friday night uh, the uh, I'll be doing the opening plenary, talking about uh, really kind of my journey from evangelicalism into Lutheranism, um, and uh, and and so that'll be that'll be fun, uh, preparing that you know having to go back and think like a Nazarene, and you know I used to work at Focus on the Family, and then so and then Todd Wilkins coming in on Saturday, and so and I'm going to be hosting one of the uh, no pietist allowed parties, yeah. I, that's what they're calling it you know no pietists no allowed. Pietis allowed parties and that'll be on friday night so if you would like to attend going be at a bar no it's going to oh. be at somebody's home you know <laughs> we're going to we're going to invite john crowder and and that that other guy you know the the token the holy ghost guys and we're just going to like we're going to we're going to we're going to pass the the baby jesus and you know and toke the holy ghost and no, i'm kidding <laughs> i can't even i can't even do that straight I, just hearing me say these words makes me just go Bleh! Anyway, so if you'd like to attend, it's not expensive, and uh, you know, you can, the, there's still openings. I think they said that the registration is open through Wednesday. So, and today's Monday, but depending on when you're listening to this, it could be a different day. So, there you go, Naperville, Illinois. I'll be the, I'll be at the uh, at that conference. All right, uh, switching gears here, uh, we're going to continue our march through the Gospel of Mark. Why? Why do we march? The, why are we reading through these passages? Well, the simple reason is why, because we as Christians need to be in God's Word on a daily basis. And um, and simply walking through this stuff, it's not to show off my theological prowess. In fact, if you've listened to the series you know at all, you're going to say, you know, there's things you could have said, Chris. Yeah, there's things I could have said. It's not about my theological prowess. It's about us being in the Word of God, familiarizing yourself with it, becoming biblically literate as to what the what the text says, and then ultimately so that you can teach others. If you are a mother to teach your children or a father to teach your children and your wife, Um, if you are, you know, if if this is anybody, you can sit down with them with the Bible. This is a great gospel to go through. Another one, another good one is uh, John. It's a little longer, a little bit more complex. Mark is kind of the action gospel. You know, the, the big word is always immediately and then immediately and then immediately. And, uh, and so we're going to continue here in the uh, Mark chapter eight, uh, starting at verse one, it says, in those days... When again a great crowd had gathered, they had nothing to eat. He called his disciples to him and said to them, this is Jesus talking, I have compassion on the crowd because they have been with me now for three days and have nothing to eat. And if I send them away hungry to their homes, they will faint on the way. And some of them have come from far away. Now, you're sitting there going, wait wait a second, didn't we read this story already? The answer to the question is kind of. Um, there's two stories in the Gospel of Mark. In fact, another Synoptic Gospels about feeding, you know, feeding people. And what I think is interesting here is is that the disciples should have said, "Wait a second, this seems vaguely familiar. <laughs> Didn't we do this once before?" But again, this kind of shows the hardness of the hearts of uh, of the apostles. Okay, and um, so Jesus says, "If I send them away hungry, they will faint on the way. And some of them have come from far away." And his disciples. Answered him, "How can one feed these people with bread here in this desolate place?" Kind of a dumb question, isn't it? Didn't they see Jesus feed five thousand people just a couple chapters earlier? Well, I mean, a couple fish and some loaves of bread. I mean, everybody ate. Remember, and yet the disciples are going, "How can how can one feed these people here in such a desolate place?" you could just see Jesus, you know, slapping his forehead, you know, ugh. so Jesus asked him, how many loaves do you have? They said, seven. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So, and he directed the crowd to sit down on the ground and he took the seven loaves and having given thanks, he broke them and gave them to the disciples and to set before the people. And they set them before the crowd, and they had a few small fish, and having blessed them, he said that these also should be set before them. And they ate and were satisfied, and they took up the broken pieces left over, seven baskets full. And they were about 4,000 people. And he sent them away, and immediately he got into a boat with his disciples and went to the district of Dalmanutha. Now, I'm going to pause here for a second. I want to. Uh, I'm going to bring something in. You know, while I was reading this, I was having one of those moments where... Uh, Something struck me. (sighs) Okay. I'm going to read something from Perry Noble's blog. Why? Because this is kind of interesting. I want you to think about this for a second. Perry Noble, who uh, we played his purpose-driven scolding, um, you know where he, you, you, uh, where he chewed people out who expected him to be like a pastor. You, you know, I'm not, He says I'm not going to sacrifice my family on the on the ministry altar, and I'm not going to eat you know a Denny's with people I'm not uh, comfortable with. And you don't want me to come visit you in the hospital. That guy.
1: He he didn't like your food.
0: Uh, apparently not. Yeah. Anyway, not because he's talking about food, but I want to read something from his blog today. Um, seven things we allow to guide us at New Spring. Okay, NewSpring is their church. Which, by the way, I registered for the conference, <laughs> the Unleashed conference. I'm, just, you know, I'm like six hours away from them. So I'm, you know, from India, you know, after we move, I'm, I got to go. You know? So <clears throat> anyways, uh, Perry Noble writes, he says, As I read about Jesus in the Gospels, he keeps seeing that when he was assembling his team, that was going to change the world. He didn't call religious professionals, but rather men who were willing to simply walk with him one, one day at a time. The team that I serve with, really, we're just a bunch of ordinary men and women who are desperately trying to walk with Jesus. We don't have all the answers. We are not perfect. We aren't ashamed to admit it. I remember reading an an ad for a staff position at a church once that read something like this, senior pastor wanted qualifications, must be a seminary graduate, must be married, must have at least 10 years of experience in the ministry. It's a position for a senior pastor, right? And so... Perry Noble says, stop. Based on these three qualifications, Jesus Christ himself would not be qualified to serve as the pastor. Kind of a lame argument. Okay. Okay. Um, Perry, Jesus Christ was God in human flesh. There was no greater theologian who ever lived. In fact, you can call Jesus a theological savant if you want to. <sighs> okay. Must be a seminary graduate. Some these guys revel in the fact that we didn't go to seminary. We're we're not we're not yeah. So we're we just because the disciples were just ordinary fishermen. I want to point something out here, and this kind of comes out in the passage that we just read in Mark, and that is is that well, G, the disciples spent three years with Jesus, the theological savant, and you can call that three years with Jesus really the best seminary training ever right okay and the fact that jesus is training these guys really kind of comes through in this text why because here jesus is saying you know these people living with us they're hungry i can't send them away without food and his disciples how can one feed people in this place and then jesus like a good teacher like a good seminary professor says how many loaves do you have we're going to go through this lesson again because one of the things that you learn about teaching is that you just don't teach on a subject once. In fact, if you really want to make a point, you go over the same material over and over and over and over and over and over again, right? Okay, so here we have the disciples in Jesus's seminary, okay, where they go from being ordinary fishermen to actually being apostles. Okay, in fact, in all of church history, you never again see apostles. They laid the foundation of the church. There are no apostles today. There are disciples, but there's no apostles. Okay, G- when they graduated, they graduated summa cum laude of Jesus' seminary training course, which took three years. And remember, they had the best professor in the world. Theologically, I mean, Perry Noble, he thinks he's so smart and he misses the whole point. Well, then Jesus couldn't have been, been you know, your pastor. (sighs) Jesus was God in human flesh. (laughs) Oh man. Anyway, I just I just bring this out for because I just like bunny trailing myself. Anyways, um. So they got into the boat, and they went to the region of Dalmanutha, Dalmanutha, and it says this in verse 11. The Pharisees came and began to argue with Jesus, seeking from him a sign from heaven to test him. <sighs> Jesus sighed deeply in his spirit, and he said, why does this generation seek a sign? Okay, it's ridiculous. I mean, Jesus is healing people left and right, right? Jesus just fed you know, 4,000 people, Then this is the second time he's done that. Right? And I mean, here's this huge sign about who Jesus is. I mean, his, all of his works point to his deity, and they want a sign. And, G- and Jesus is like, oh, man, why does this generation seek a sign? Truly I say to you, no sign will be given to this generation. Which is, which is kind of a tongue-in-cheek response, because he's been performing miracles all over the place. So he left them, got into the boat again, and went to the other side. Now they had forgotten, this, the disciples, they had forgotten to bring bread and they only had one loaf with them in the boat okay kind of showing you how it's taking the disciples a little while to learn some of these lessons and jesus cautioned the disciples saying watch out beware of the leaven or the yeast of the pharisees and the leaven or the yeast of herod and so the disciples began discussing with one another the fact that they only ha- that they had no bread <laughs> <sighs> Jesus, aware of this, said, why are you discussing the fact that you have no bread? Do you not yet perceive or understand? The answer is apparently not. Um, Are your hearts hardened? Yeah. Um, Having eyes, do you not see? And having ears, do you not hear? And do you not remember? When I broke the five loaves for the 5,000, how many baskets full of broken pieces did you take up? They said to him, 12? and the seven for the four thousand how many baskets full of broken pieces did you take up and they said to him seven and he said to them do you not yet understand he's not talking about literal bread here he's talking figuratively the yeast to the pharisees the yeast of herod (sighs) so they came to Bethsaida, and some people brought to him a blind man and begged him to touch him. This is another one of those means of grace passages. Okay. Well, this one's interesting. So he took the blind man by the hand and led him out of the village. And when he had spit on his eyes and laid his hands on him, he asked him, do you see anything? Now keep this in mind. There's lepers who came to Jesus who asked to be cleansed and they were cleaned immediately. Right. There were people who were sick and they were they and their, and their families or their loved ones would put them in the marketplace and all they had to do was touch Jesus' cloak and they were instantly healed, right? Again, this is another example of means of grace. Jesus using earthly matter to perform a miracle. Okay, and again, the supreme example of a means of grace is the very blood of Jesus Christ, which atoned for our sins it was rh typeable real blood it had platelets it had bl- red blood cells it had white blood cells it had hemoglobin you know you, if if we could get a sample of it we could tell you if jesus was o negative or o positive or ab o- negative or a positive you know it was it was real stuff okay so here we got jesus spitting into the, <laughs> spitting into this guy's eyes and then you know and then laying his hands on him and asking do you see anything And he looked up and he said, well, I I see men, but they look like trees walking. And you could just see Jesus going, okay, we've got to fine tune this. Hang on a second here. So so Jesus, Jesus laid his hands on his eyes again, and he opened his eyes, and his sight was restored, and he saw everything clearly. And then he sent them to his home saying, do not enter the village. Interesting story, right? So here we've got an example, again, of this means of grace stuff. Jesus could have just said, hey, be healed or see, and he would have been able to. But Jesus chose to go a different route. Why? Because he's God. And the best explanation I can give you is, is that, hey, you know, Jesus uses matter because he likes matter because he created it. This, if you think matter is evil and sinful, then you're a Gnostic, and you're, that's, that's not it at all. Jesus left footprints, Jesus was made out of flesh and bones, and he had blood and carpuscles and he sweat, and he ate, and, and all the other things that go along with human bodily activity. And here he spit in this guy's eye, and he rubbed his eyes, and the guy couldn't, couldn't quite see straight, and so the, Jesus went after him again. Okay? Not all healings are instant, by the way. Not all healings are instant. Anyways, we continue, and it says that Jesus went on with his disciples to the village of Caesarea Philippi. And on the way, he asked his disciples, who do people say that I am? Now, Caesarea Philippi, just historically speaking, um, lots of, there was a particular wall that was up there that had like little grottos for all the different deities, you know, that the the Romans and the Greeks worshipped. And, you know, so you can almost see Jesus, you know, you know, them, you know, it's a place, you know, a multicultural, a multi-religious place, okay? And so Jesus is asking here, his disciples, who do people say that I am? And they said, well, they told him, John the Baptist. Some say that you're John the Baptist. Others say that you're Elijah. Others say that you're one of the prophets. And so he asked them, all right, who do you say that I am? Peter answered him, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And he strictly charged them not to tell anyone about him. Okay, so now they, finally in in this three-year seminary, right, where they go from fishermen to apostles, and there ain't nobody in the Christian church today. The pope, bishops, deacons, pastors, Sunday school teachers, radio personalities. Who have better credentials in the church than the apostles did? Okay, keep that in mind. So they're now to the point where they they finally get what's going. They finally understand who he is. You are the Christ. You're the Messiah, the one promised. Okay, and Jesus tells them not to tell anyone about him. And there's a reason why. It, it really, it's not hard to figure it out. And that is is that the 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 people of the of this time, the Jews. They were being oppressed and under Roman occupation, okay? And along with Roman occupation came the disgust of having these Romans worshiping their Roman gods and the Greeks before them who were worshiping their Greek gods and erecting these temples to these false deities. And if you're a good Jew, then you understand that there's only one God. Here is Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And you're, you're not happy with this whole Roman occupation. Zealots, which, by the way, were the Jewish version of terrorists at the time, uh, were known to slit the throat of Roman soldiers and engage in subversive activity designed to overthrow the Roman government. Okay, kick the Romans out. And so, what happened at this time is that many of the teachers of this time would look to the prophecies regarding the Messiah and his second advent, not his first. They they didn't see the difference between the first and second advent and saw that the that the the Messiah would come in righteousness and get rid of evil. And so they interpreted that in a way that basically said, when the Messiah comes, he's going to set up his kingdom in Jerusalem, and he's going to kick the Romans out. Right? The problem is, is that there's a whole other set of prophecies in the Old Testament regarding the Messiah, and it's the Suffering Servant passages. You know that he was pierced for our transgressions. Um, you know those kinds of passages that show the Messiah suffering for our sins. You know by his stripes we're healed. Right. And so um, they, they like the ones regarding the, the Messiah who's going to come and flex some political muscle. That's what they're looking for. They want this, this, this Messiah who's going to come in and set up an earthly kingdom and flex some muscle and get rid of those evil, wicked um, Romans. So at this point, partway through the, you know, the seminary training that the uh, disciples are going through, they finally understand, okay, you're the Messiah, we got that. Okay, and Jesus tells, them, don't tell anyone, okay because if if they really understand that, then they're going to try to make him king by force. And there's other passages that show that exactly that's exactly what tried you know what, what they were thinking of doing. All right? So it was at this point it says, in Jesus, he began to teach them that the Son of Man must suffer many things. Be rejected by the elders and the chief priests and the scribes and be killed, and after three days rise again. And you could see them. You could probably you could just see this the disciples scratching their heads, going, "Wait a second! If you're really the Christ, you don't want us to tell anybody." And what's this stuff about you suffering, being rejected, and dying and rising again? Jesus is not speaking in parables at this point. He's speaking to them plainly. These are the things that have got to take place. And he said. He said this plainly, and Peter took him aside. This doesn't jive with Peter's understanding of what the Messiah is going to do, okay, or what he's been taught. Peter took Jesus aside and began to rebuke him. To which we should all say, thank God that Peter wasn't turned into a crispy critter at this point. Okay? (laughs) Right? But listen carefully. Okay? Peter began to rebuke Jesus. Jesus, the God in human flesh, he's rebuking Jesus. Oh, man, keep this in mind. Christ died even for this sin. And believe me, this is a terrible and grievous sin here. But turning and seeing his disciples, Jesus rebuked Peter and said, Get behind me, Satan, for you are not setting your mind on the things of God. the things of man god has a different agenda and you've got your mindset on the things of man not the things of god there's a lot that you can pack into that and a lot that you can even take a look at in our own day okay going back to our game that we played today one of these things is not like the other you think about these house churches that are being persecuted in china why are they being persecuted? Because they have not mind the things of God, not the things of man. They're not towing the line in China. You think about this poor blogger in, in Saudi Arabia who's been arrested for recording his conversion story to Christianity. He has in mind the things of God, not the things of man. You think about these people who now, these teachers now in the UK who could be disciplined for discussing Christianity, Okay. These are teachers who have in mind the things of God, not the things of man. And then you think about Great Lakes Church in Kenosha, Wisconsin. They have in mind the things of man, not the things of God. Anyway, just thought I'd pass that along. A little free editorial there. Um, Anyway. (laughs) All right. Jesus ends up chapter 8 says Jesus called the crowd to him with his disciples and he said to them if anyone would come after me let him deny himself take up his cross and follow me something you have to keep in mind when Jesus says this everybody who was hearing his voice knew experientially what picking up a cross and carrying it meant every one of his hearers knew exactly what he was talking about when the romans decided to kill somebody via crucifixion it was to make a statement and anybody who was carrying a cross was being made an example of that was person who was a dead man walking that was a person who was literally carrying the implement of his demise. The thing that he was going to be killed on. And Roman crucifixion, the Romans had this down to a science. It wasn't designed to kill you quickly. It was designed to to really kill you over a three-day period and make an example of you. So when Jesus says, take up your cross and follow me, Everybody there has has vivid memories and experiences of some poor soul being marched out of the city gates, being made a spectacle of, and being killed in a painful, painful and shameful, terrible death. So when you say, take up your cross and follow me, don't let that go by quickly put yourself in their shoes see your, if you want a visual of it go back and think about the you know the passion of the christ the movie the passion of the christ you there, that's at least some kind of a historical reference point the difference is that was a movie these people saw it for real people they might have even had a loved one or somebody they know crucified this was reserved for the lowest of the low the people that the romans wanted to make an example of so jesus says if you would come after me Deny yourself, take up your cross, consider yourself to be a dead man and follow me. For whoever would ever save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake and the gospel, the good news will save it. For what does it profit a man to gain the whole world and forfeit his soul? For what can a man give in return for his soul? For whoever is ashamed of me and of my words, in this adulterous and sinful generation of him, Will the Son of Man also be ashamed when he comes in the glory of his Father and his holy angels? These are not seeker-sensitive, positive words. Anyway, we end there. All right, we're going to switch gears here now. Today, rather than doing a sermon review, we're going to listen to us something that appeared on the 700 Club not too long ago. Um... John, how would you like to experience God the Father's love? I and mean, would you like to experience it? Oh yes. I mean Sounds good. Okay. Now he, he, here's a, so John, you wouldn't mind experiencing God the Father's love.
1: I of course I would love. I would love to experience that. Okay, yes. good.
0: Okay. Now, me too. I personally I'd like to experience it. Okay. Now here's the here's the question I have for you, though. Um Is there anywhere in the Bible that says that if I do X, Y, and Z, God the Father is going to show up and I get to experience him in some kind of a spiritual way?
5: No, it doesn't say that. You sure? I think it says that. Christ.
0: Okay. Well, all right. Well, doesn't it say in scripture where two or more are gathered in my name that Jesus is with us? Yes. Okay, it does say that. So, which by the way, in our church, we uh we begin our church services in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, right? Mm-hmm. We invoke the name of God. Okay. Well, let's let's listen into this little segment here from uh the 700 Club on soaking prayer. Apparently you can experience, you can experience, and I mean experience, experience this thing somehow. What First. is that? Yeah, you get to experience <laughs> it. But already I'm trying to set, make you understand, uh, I don't see this in scripture. So this is from uh,
6: CBN, um, the 700 Club. First, we want to show you a prayer service where resting is allowed and even encouraged. It's part of what's called soaking prayer.
0: Yeah, apparently this is all the rage now. Um, and I, since you can't see this, I'll have to explain to you what's being shown on the screen. The Toronto Airport Christian Fellowship. Stop. The Toronto Airport Christian Fellowship. This is the group that brought us such great things as the Rodney Howard Brown's Laughing Revival. Do um, you remember that thing? Led by Carol and John Arnett is the center of what is known as the Toronto Blessing. It's also where the concept of soaking prayer developed. Which basically should tell you guys, if you hear anybody telling you about soaking prayer and how great it is, you need to take them aside and help them open the Bible and help these people because um, it's not biblical. Soaking prayer is a style of worship where people
6: forget about their agendas and prayer requests in order to experience a deeper connection with God.
0: What they're showing on the screen is is a house setting. I mean, there's a sofa and there's a couch. And there are literally people sprawled out on the floor that look like they're asleep or passed out. The eyes are closed and they're just sitting still. It's quiet time spent sitting or lying in silence, focusing on Jesus and inviting the Holy Spirit to soak you in his presence. So, inviting the Holy Spirit to soak you. I mean, I'm afraid that if I invited the Holy Spirit to soak me, he might bring a water gun. Okay, now I know this sounds spiritual and everything, but where does it say that we can invite the Holy Spirit to come and soak us in his presence? In the scripture? Anywhere?
6: We continue. Well, here to tell us more about Soaking Prayer is Marguerite Evans, the National Coordinator for Soaking Prayer Centers across, a, across North America, aren't you? I mean, you're... Yes. How many do you have?
7: In America, we have far over 500 that's registered, but we have many more that still need to register. So.
0: She's the National Coordinator of the Soaking Prayer Centers, and they've got over 500 Soaking Prayer
6: Centers registered around the country. Okay.
7: It's really exciting how this is growing all now, over the world.
6: Now today, these soaking prayer centers are going to be joining with us yes. into the prayer segment uh, via the internet. Um, is, is this the, the first time they've they've all been linked together like this?
7: Yes, and they are so excited about it. <laughs> Before the program, I, I was looking on in the control room, and they're all chatting to one another. They're very excited, and they've got all so many testimonies to share of what happened in their centers. So. It's a good
2: day good now
0: I just want to point something out if you 're going to have you 're going to set up a, a centers around the country and around the world of people who are engaging in soaking prayer, then you should be able to open up to a clear passage of scripture in the Bible that teaches this particular technique
6: right you'd think oh, we continue and and even even when the show's over uh we're going to be doing soaking prayer from ten to eleven a m Eastern standard time so uh, we have the live show nine to ten, and then we replay it, but we 're going to be continuing in prayer and then on Tuesday night from seven to eight p m eastern standard time so if you want if you want to join in there on an internet only basis we 're going to be having soaking prayer for an hour on the internet. You better have a laptop because i mean if you 're to lay on your floor and s- soak in the
0: presence of the holy spirit who who doesn 't promise anywhere that you can do this with any techniques. Um, I mean, great that you think you can participate in such a thing, but uh, this is, it sounds like another one of those instances where the emperor has no clothes. You familiar with that story? You know the the emperor, you know the the this king, you know invites you know these these charlatans, kind of like the king and the duke from uh, Huckleberry Finn. You know, come to this king and say that they can weave together this incredibly elaborate, expensive, uh clothes for the emperor made from this magical thread and, and 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 so they work and work and they and the king pays a a kingly sum for this thing and then when it's all done they present it to him and he wants to go and show off to everybody this incredible garment that was made for him um the problem is is that uh, it this i mean you have to be enlightened in order to see the thread yeah, and and of course that being the case, I mean nobody would admit that they weren't enlightened enough to see the clothes that the king was that wearing, right? So he the king was parading around in these new clothes apparently, um, but um, the problem was is he was completely naked, right? And some kid happened to be the one who said had to break the news: "Hey, the king's naked." <sighs> <sighs> this is another one of those. I mean, M- Marguerite Evans is. Uh, one of these people who apparently can spin together magical thread and, and can spin together experiences that you can soak in the Holy Spirit
6: even without a clear word from God that such a thing even exists. And my goal is to have soaking prayer 24-7 around the world. Uh, we need to really be praying in. I want to pray in a revival for the world, that the knowledge of the Lord would cover the earth as the water covers the sea. Let's pray it in. We can pray in a great awakening. God says it. Really? Where? Very clearly. Ezekiel thirty-six, thirty-seven. I will yet be inquired of by Israel for this. If you're a Christian, you're... Whoa, whoa, whoa wait a second. That, that by went by
0: real quick. Um, Did that say anything about soaking prayer? Uh No. I mean, I can quote, you know, all kinds of passages. Hezekiah 37, 2.
6: Doesn't exist, but... You know, God said soaking prayer is stupid. <laughs> Grafted into Israel so you can go boldly to the throne of grace and pray in an outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Really? But before we get to that. <sighs> the
0: passage he quoted doesn't even say that. <sighs> Ugh, why is it that all of these people are just pulling these fast ones on us and calling it Christianity? I, I just don't get it. I think we need to explain soaking prayer because... Yes, please explain it. Please explain it to me. Where is this found in the Bible? That's a new term, and a yes. lot of people may not be used to it. What? Well, that's... Wait a second, folks. I just want to point something out to you. If something's a new term... Right? That's a new... Nobody has ever heard of soaking prayer before. That's a new term. We better explain it to them. That should be your first major red flag. In fact, you should smell smoke and go, wait a second, something's on fire here. Why? Because there's nothing new in the Bible! <laughs> we we follow a revealed religion. We... There, There's nothing new. There's no new revelation. There is not. The the Bible's a closed book, in case you didn't know. And, uh, all right, just want to point that out. I mean, if soaking prayer was biblical, people, Christians, would have been practicing it since the beginning, right? What is it?
7: Well, soaking prayer is really a hard attitude of coming to the Lord, laying down your own agenda, your own prayer request, and to say, Lord, I'm just here to be with you.
0: it's a hard attitude and it's laying down your own agenda and saying i'm lord i'm just here to be with you any examples of that in the bible
7: so it's not really doing anything it's uh-huh. being with someone
0: it's not doing anything it's just being with somebody i'm he, lord i'm just here to, wait hang on a second isn't god omnipresent everywhere that's one of his attributes right he's everywhere right so Correct me if I'm wrong, but uh, while I've been doing this program, I've been with the Lord the whole time. You know, while you've been listening to Fighting for the Faith, did you know this? You have been in the presence of God the entire time.
2: Okay, I just want to, okay.
7: So it's not striving in prayer. It's more a focus on resting in His presence and resting in His love. What's, what,
6: what's, the, what's the biblical model for that? Uh, There's the $24
0: million question. Here comes the lame answer.
7: Well, David talked about, you know, Lord lay down in green pastas, you know. The (laughs) (laughs) The,
0: the look on her face when she gave this. By the way, we're going to put this video up at the Museum of Idolatry. Cause that's where it belongs. Um, boy, that was a the uh, well. David says, uh, "The Lord uh, help me lie down in green pastures." That great psalm, "The Lord is my shepherd; I shall not want." Right? See, that teaches soaking prayer. See, lying down in green pastures means soaking prayer. Did you Did you know that? I've never seen that before. <sighs>
7: lay on my bed and and hear from the lord so there's a big focus on rest in the bible and just from a place of rest we get up and we do the things the lord asks us to do
6: it's interesting you mentioned that passage from david in my private prayer time early in my ministry i was still in manila in my prayer closet i got that verse i can he shouldn't have come out of his prayer closet (laughs) Sorry. Make you lie down on green pastures. Yes. I will make you lie down on green I will lead you beside still waters. Mm-hmm. And then the Holy Spirit spoke sweetly to me. But I can't make you drink. Yes. And we have Wait, well,
0: hold on a second. Wait a second. Wasn't that extra biblical revelation? Um flag on the play, uh foul. Uh, I need a whistle. Brr! Foul. Um that's an illegal move. Extra biblical revelation doesn't
6: exist. Sorry, uh, no. I have to take the initiative there and drink in what He has for us. Mm-hmm. But if we're striving, if everything is coming out of us, if our, if we're pouring out our complaint before Him, yes. which is so much of our prayer time, instead of drinking in His presence, then we miss it. Where does it say we drink
0: in His presence? Apparently, the God of the universe is a is a is a vente deity latte. With uh, chai-spiced mocha. I'm messing that up, aren't I? D- did you know you can just, at any time you want, just stop and drink in God?
5: Wait, I think you have to lie down in a pasture. But you
0: have to lie down in a pasture first. First of all, you have to be a sheep. and th- And then you have to lie down in a pasture
1: inner city people are going to have
0: hard time yeah if you folks if you were living in in like one of the major cities around the world uh Los Angeles, New York City uh one of the the metro regions of the world you might have a hard time getting to a pasture in order to first to you have to first have God make you lie down so you have to be in a lying prone position in a pasture then you can drink in God's presence like a mocha vente chai latte Macchiato.
7: The thing that's so exciting about this is the Lord do think different things in different people's lives. You know, we all come to Him, Lord, I want to be with you, and then He comes, and sometimes He speaks to us, sometimes He shows us things, sometimes He pours His love over us, sometimes He empowers people, heal physical healing. There's loads of physical healing testimonies, or um, just healing emotional pain. Mm-hmm. And um, but the other day. I felt the Lord say to me that soaking prayer centers are making a way for the habitation of his presence and not just...
0: Oh, okay. So uh, I better not speak against him because God told her specifically that the, these centers are making a habitation for his presence. You know, did you know that God's presence was there in the temple, right? So these soaking centers are the new temples. God's hab- habitating them. Wait a second. Doesn't it say in Scripture that God doesn't um, dwell in buildings made by man?
7: <sighs> a visitation. And, you know, And after he shared that. that with me, I, I actually that. realized the Lord. I already have um, testimonies to confirm that. There was a, The other day I got a testimony of people. Oh, see,
0: see, God told her that, and then she got testimonies from other people that confirmed that what God said to her was, Yeah. Uh, do you guys ever read your Bibles? If you want God to speak to you, um, there's this thing called a Bible. You open it and you start reading. It's God's revelation about himself, about who he is, what he is, what he's done. Um, you want to know what God is like, uh, read about Jesus because He's God in human flesh. In fact, when he preaches, he's preaching directly to you, even though you weren't there because it's been recorded in the Bible.
1: So if you don't have these dreams or God doesn't speak to you, you're not less of a Christian. Well, actually,
0: in your case, John, you would be. Because <laughs> you and I are in the same same boat here. Man, God doesn't talk to me like this. I must be less of a Christian. Yeah. I must not be sanctified or holy enough.
1: I can remember when I felt that way. Exactly. And I thought there was something wrong with me because... God didn't
5: speak to me.
0: Yeah, I'm going to tell you this, John. There was nothing wrong with you. The problem is these people, they're lying. They're not actually hearing from God. I'm sorry. This contradicts the Scripture. This isn't based upon the Scripture. And this new soaking prayer thing, there's nothing new in Christianity.
7: Using a nursery for a soaking where they have their soaking meetings, and the t- people at the nursery are very happy about it because since they've been doing it, the kids are more calm and they're more peaceful. And so they're
6: doing soaking prayer with a nursery?
7: No, not, yeah, they use the nursery as the as their venue. As the place. Yeah. And so, so
6: after, afterwards, the when, children when the children are, are there, they're. And
7: I had another testimony of people using another church building, and
6: why we
0: 've left the reservation. we are off in la la land.
7: Today meeting was the youth meeting, and when the youth came in, some of them just started to cry, uh-huh. and the Lord was doing a deep thing in their hearts and this is from the residue from the lord 's <laughs> presence
1: the residue it 's like ghostbusters <laughs> or, you know the slime
0: you know I wonder in the coming persecution of the Christian church that seems to be coming at a rapid rate. You know, I wonder if the government's going to detect uh, uh, God's presence residue detectors. You know, you know, I could just see them. You know, the, the the men in black coming into the room with you know with this little device going. Yes, I've I've detected uh, some residue of the Holy Spirit here. There's been soaking prayer. Like we've been around these people up and and put them in the concentration camps. Oh my goodness. Ah. How is it that we have exchanged the truth of God in his word? Therefore, us in black and white, a sure and certain word of God, all scripture is God breathed. And we've exchanged this truth for this stuff. I mean, it sounds so selfless. It sounds so spiritual. I'm sorry. This just sounds so stupid. You,
7: was there so it's really an avenue if you want god's presence in your home in your church you know we even have a center in a prison where these guys in room 113 are soaking you know if you want god's presence you need to pursue it and soaking is a way to go after
6: thing, his presence does stay yes i mean i was on the temple mount this past week ugh, man
0: this is just absolute foolishness. This is re- How is it that anybody would say, oh, wow, it got it. it has to be true, you know? And how do you think it's true? Well, it doesn't say anything in the scripture because, you know, we just read the really flimsy so-called verse that supports this. Um, God makes you lie down in green pasture. See, that means soaking prayer. Um that now we've got all these testimonies of people who are just being impacted, even from the residue of God's presence
6: in the places where soaking has taken place. And now we've gone off to the Temple Mount, apparently. And it was it was neat to watch an intercessory group come in and pray for God's Spirit to be poured out for Israel. Yeah. And they were on a specific place in in the Temple Mount. Um, they call it the the Dome of the Spirits, and I've forgotten why they do that. Anyway, the, this intercessory group left and walked over to another place. And another Christian group from Orlando walked into the same area where they'd just been praying. Yeah. And the Spirit of God fell on them and they started prophesying on yes. top of the Temple Mount. Yeah. I mean, it was just, you know. The <laughs> Spirit of God just fell on them. Whoa.
0: You might want to wear a hard hat next time you're out on the Temple Mount in case the Holy Spirit falls on your head and you get hurt. Give me a break.
6: It was the, that... Um, just the, 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 the aroma of the Lord was everywhere. Mm-hmm. And what does God smell like? I'm sick. Ser- I hope
2: it's cookies. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I, I'm kind of hoping for like fresh baked sourdough bread.
1: Oh, that'd be good too. Yeah. yeah. That, that's
0: actually pretty good. Along with the uh, roast beef and gravy.
6: <laughs> and his presence does stay. Yeah. And he he likes that. He likes a habitation. You yes. will be my people, and I will be your God. Yes. And you can walk.
0: No mention of Jesus Christ here at all. Just remember the Toronto Airport Church is the one who brought us Rodney Howard Brown's um, laughing revival. Do you bubble
6: it up from your belly? Do you remember any of that? I should play some of that tomorrow. In that glory. If people want to start a soaking prayer center, how do they do it? Don't do it.
7: Well, the... The best way I can say to people to do it is to get what we call a soaking kit. Where we've put together a DVD on.
0: You know. Oh, and see, they're going to soak you, <laughs> so that you can start a soaking center. That's really what this—that soaking centers means—that they're taking
1: your money for seventy-nine ninety-five or yeah. yeah.
7: You know, the 10 years of revival in Toronto, but also about what is soaking, the biblical, or the scriptures and how to do it. And from there, you can just do it. You know, you can be a group of three people in your home. And some of these centers have over 100 people. Mm. So you can just choose a venue, choose a time. Take a day and just do it. Invite your friends to come and just say, Lord, we're here just to be with you. You know, there's ordinary people doing it and extraordinary things are happening in these soaking centers. So you
6: can soak anywhere. Anywhere. You can lie in your bed and soak. Yes. You can lie on your couch and soak. Do you know when we go to church, John,
0: um, we gather in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Where two or more are gathered in Jesus' name, he says he's there, right? That's what it says, yes. Okay, church. so when we go to church, just want to make sure, two or more gathered in the name of Christ. That means he's there. And uh, we get to hear about our sins being forgiven while well, Christ is there, right? And we get to sing hymns in his presence, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And um, yeah, there's all kinds. God's presence seems to be all over our church service, right? Mm-hmm. And I don't see any of us lying on the ground soaking. Maybe hey, we're missing something.
7: you can lie
6: on the floor and coat so you You can can
7: sit on your favorite chair and soak
6: can you soak while you're driving
7: yes if you keep your eyes open
0: (laughs) (laughs) don't operate heavy machinery while soaking
6: (laughs) all right if you're interested in and more on soaking prayer just log on to cbn.com we'll send you over to marguerite's link so you can get a soaking kit and you can become part of this great movement and if you've got a webcam and a computer and an internet connection, uh, you can join in to the Soaking Prayer Centers that are going to be developing online. We want to create a great community. So literally people... <sighs>
0: <sighs> I-, I downloaded an article from uh, Marguerite Evans' wa- Soaking website um- uh, this generation must know the voice of our father intimately more people than ever before in, in world history now have the ability to busy themselves with electronic distractions and thousands of activities that require rushing to and fro and all of your rushing about do you have a passion for the secret place where you can find peace in your father's arms can you show me where god's arms are do you really know that you are god's precious child welcome on his lap at any time or do you consume yourself with busyness because intimacy with anyone let alone god is difficult for you The problem is is that uh, it's promising something that isn't taught in Scripture. What is soaking? The key is the secret place is soaking. Soaking is not really a scriptural metaphor, but it is nevertheless real. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, how do we know? Um, It's a term we use to describe the practice of taking time to rest while inviting the Holy Spirit to fill you with His amazing love. (sighs) And it's just chock full of... No scripture and nothing but a bunch of stories. Exchanging the truth of God for myth. Feelings. Feelings. Nothing more than feelings. Yet the funny thing is, is that Jesus talks about prayer. Did you know that? Yeah. Um. Let's uh, just real quick to end the show, just do a w- little word search on... The different roots of prayer. Uh, Matthew five forty one. But I say to you, Jesus talking, says, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Does that involve soaking or actually using your mind?
5: Yeah, I think using your mind. Okay, yes. all right. Just
0: want to check. Okay, and Jesus says, and when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners, and that they may be seen by others. And truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your father who is in secret, and your father who sees in secret will reward you. Uh, Is this talking about um, turning off your brain or actually engaging God in conversation?
1: Engaging God.
0: Okay, let me see. Here we go. Uh, Let's see. Matthew 6, 7. And when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think that they will be heard uh, for their many words. uh, And said, pray then like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Does that sound like you're just sitting there doing nothing? <laughs> no. You know what's funny? The, Satan likes to mock. Okay. Um, let's, let me, you know, this, this, I'll tell you what comes to mind here. Um Is Jesus when he on the night that he was betrayed? You remember that the whole story, the Garden of Gethsemane. Um, Let's see here. Uh, Let me see if I can find this passage real quick. Gethsemane. I am going to spell it wrong. That's it. There it is. Okay. Let me see if I can find this. Okay. Mm, Ah, here it is. Uh, Okay. So let me. I am going to see if it's in the in the Matthew account. Matthew twenty six. Um, Matthew twenty six. Let's see what happens here. Um, starting at verse thirty six. Okay, twenty six thirty six. Let me see if I, if this is the passage I'm looking for. Okay, here we go. Then Jesus went with them to the place called Gethsemane. He said to his disciples, "Sit here while I go and pray over there." And taking with him Peter and the two sons of Demi, he began to be sorrowful and troubled. It says, "My soul is very sorrowful." Um. Uh, okay. Let me. Okay. I think it's in the Mark. Yeah, it's going to be Mark 14. I'm doing this from the hip. And so... um, Okay, here we go. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, listen to this. Okay, Mark fourteen thirty two, And they went to a place called Gethsemane, and he said, to Disciples, sit here while I pray. He took with him Peter and James and John and began to be greatly distressed and troubled. And he said to them, My soul is very sorrowful even to, the, even to death. Remain here and watch. And going a little farther, he fell on the ground and prayed that if it were possible that the hour might pass from him. And he said, Abba, Father, all things are possible for you. Remove this cup from me, yet not what I will, but you will. Is Jesus here soaking in the Father's love and presence before he goes to the cross? No. Okay. It says, and he came and found them sleeping. And he said to Peter, Simon, are you asleep? Could you not watch for one hour? Watch and pray that you may not enter into temptation. The spirit in Jesus is willing, but the flesh is weak. So here we got the apostles, you know, the disciples on the eve of Jesus's betrayal. And Jesus is rebuking them for not being awake and praying.
1: Right? I thought soaking in prayer could be
0: done while you were sleeping. Apparently it can. Oh. Yeah. Okay. So, and then he, all right. So, okay. And again, he went away and prayed saying the same words. And again, he came and found them sleeping. He saw them engaging in soaking prayer (laughs) and their eyes were heavy and they did not know what to answer him. And he came and the third time said to, are you still sleeping and taking rest? It's enough. The hour has come. The son of man is betrayed into the hands of sinners. So here's Jesus is rebuking the disciples for engaging in soaking prayer while he's praying. His mind was very active, and he was actually speaking to the Father, right? Mm -hmm. Not my will be done, but your will be done, bleeding. (sighs) Yeah, Satan likes to mock us, basically. I think it's hilarious. I think Satan is sitting there laughing, going, i got these completely biblically illiterate, experienced seeker-type Christians completely doing the opposite of what they should be doing. Every time Jesus tells us to pray, or when Jesus gives us, you know, the you know, disciples, how should we pray? Jesus doesn't say, okay, what I want you to do is lie down on the ground, and I want you to just soak in the Father's presence. Because he's going to come when you do that. You just sit there and sleep and rest in him. But no. He says, when you pray, say these things. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, right? And Jesus, every time he prays, he's praying actively, using his voice, using his mind, speaking thoughts. No examples of soaking prayer anywhere in Scripture in that dumb verse. It makes me lie down in green pastures. See that? That means soaking prayer. No, it doesn't. It's a metaphor of God's peace and love. So, anyway, that's, that's our program for today. <laughs> i flamed out today. <laughs> anyway, just want to remind you: uh, Fighting for the Faith is listener-supported. Radio, which means that we need your financial support in order to pay our bills and continue to bring you this program. You can send us a check at Fighting for the Faith, Post Office Box 791, SJC, California 92693, or you can log on to fightingforthefaith.com and click on the donate now button, or donate button, and we would appreciate that. And so, if you would like to email me regarding anything you've uh, heard today, in fact, if you were engaging in soaking prayer while I was doing today's show, Uh, Email me. I'd like to know how it went. Uh, Talk back at fightingforthefaith.com. Until next time, God bless you.